Welcome back to the 411 Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Larry Zonka, and this is episode 69 of the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow nice. us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course the 411mania.com website. I was going to do that, but I tried to resist. Thank you, Jeremy. And uh, yeah, please make sure to subscribe to the show, share us around on social media, and if you have time, leave us a five-star review on iTunes or any other podcasting platform you are using. We would greatly appreciate it. And joining me as always is my co-host, as mentioned, Jeremy Lambert. Jeremy, how are you tonight, my friend? I am well. Another long weekend of wrestling, but at least most of it was good. Some of it was good. Yeah, I think a lot of it was good. I, I, I largely had a good time this weekend. So, uh, yeah, I had a... It was. The problem is, as we'll get to, it, it ended on a sour note. Yeah, it kind of did. Yeah, I'll give you that. No doubt. Um, no, I, I had a pretty good weekend overall. Uh, Saturday was kind of weird. I was actually having like a really oddly bad uh pain day with my leg which is like really odd because i don't get them a lot like very rarely actually like really sore and like uh chrissy's brother his wife and uh their son were in town so we went over to hang out with them for a little bit on saturday before i had to do takeover and stuff and uh their little son finn is adorable he's like around two and um he uh he's calling me robot man now because of my leg (laughs) and it's absolutely adorable and it's like one of those little things that like totally brightened my day. He's like, "Hi, robot man." I'm like, "Hey, buddy, how you doing?" He's like, "Okay, robot man." <laughs> you know, and then he's just like, it's like all day, like every time he had something to show me, robot man. I'm like, "Yes, buddy." You know, and it was just like, and someone's like, "Is that annoying?" I'm like, "No." I'm like, "It's fucking adorable." I'm like, "Jesus Christ, I'm having a bad day." Let the kid call me robot man. I'm like, it makes me feel a little better, you know. Uh, it peaked though when he asked me. He's like, "Do you know Iron Man?" <laughs> I had to sadly break the news to him that I do not know Iron Man, but he's very excited that I have a robot leg, so that's pretty cool. Well, I'm I'm sad that you don't know Iron Man because uh, you should hooks up with a uh, what's her name? What what's the um? Jesus Christ, I sound like an idiot right now. Uh, I can't even, Gwyneth Paltrow's yeah. name in the movie. Pepper. Pepper. I wanted to say Penny for some reason. I knew that was wrong. Um, <laughs> yeah, you could, you could get Pepper's number. Stark technology, man. Jeez, <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Get, get a better leg. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, hey, I mean, well, I'm sorry you were in pain, but I'm glad yeah. that the, the little kid, Finn Balor, cheered you up with the, the robot, robot man comments. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. It didn't last too long. It was just uh, like an odd day. It's like I normally don't have like any pain. Was, like, I don't know what it was Saturday. It was just, I don't know. My leg was hurting on Saturday, but not because I got it cut off months ago. I fell. I went to the skating rink for the first time. I can't remember the last time I went to a roller skating rink. And uh, I fell and then busted my ass and my knee because I was dancing to a Taylor Swift song. So I was at least 100% on brand. I was, I was proud. Of that course I, you were I dancing to a Taylor brand. Swift song. I mean, come on. Dude, so they have it like you, you can text a request to, you know, the DJ or whatever. So I texted you Taylor Swift. You blew that Swift. poor son of a bitch up with Christ. <laughs> I requested one song and one song only. Uh, and yeah, when it came on, I was dancing and I tried to shift from – 
forward skating to back skating and my body and my legs did not align because of my dancing and yeah i fell and (laughs) went went uh kind of over over ass over tea kettle and hit my knee and my wife was concerned and this little girl who was behind me was very concerned as well so thank you to the little girl behind me who showed some concern (laughs) did you feel old after that jeremy not really i never feel old i oh, felt good because like yeah i know but i don't like feeling old like what what's the fun in that i know i just want to make you feel old because you make me feel old all the time <laughs> Fierce, at least I that's because yeah that's because like i talk about 90s wrestling like it was peak and you you talk about 70s wrestling <laughs> you talk about 90s wrestling like when you were in elementary school and shit like when i was a yeah. senior that's what <laughs> fucking gets me all the time but no <laughs> Well, I'm glad you're okay. Glad you didn't break anything. Yeah, whatever. I'll be fine. So, yeah, uh, WWE Survivor Series weekend, including NXT TakeOver War Games and Survivor Series, will be the topics of discussion this evening. And uh, we will just go in order, and we will start off with NXT TakeOver War Games, Jeremy. And start off with the pre-show where Mia Yim was attacked backstage and taken out of the War Games match. And then that led to Angel Garza versus uh, Isaiah Swerve Scott. And uh, did you catch this match? Uh, I caught it on the replay. I didn't catch it live, and it was it was kind of too short to to mean anything. I think Garza winning was the the right call because they're setting him up for a little bit of a push now. It looks like he's going to face Leo rush at some point. So that, that was the right call, but yeah, a little too short to, to be anything special, but for the time it was, I thought it was fine. Yeah, it was uh, I thought it was pretty good. I kind of thought they had a bit of an off night with a couple obvious rough spots and just some like kind of weird transitional issues during the match. It was, don't get me wrong. It was far from bad, but uh, kind of disappointing because I think both guys are really, really good and they've been really good on TV as of late. So I was, Hoping they would have a better match, not just for pure enjoyment purposes, but for them, because they seem, especially Garza right now, like they're both getting some good attention. And I don't think it'll be held against them. I just think it was like a slightly off night. And again, it was far from bad. Yeah, that, that's a fair assessment. And I just, it because it was so short, it was just like, all right, it's it's there, it's over. It just wasn't much, nothing really connected. So not a whole lot going on for it. Yeah. And then it was uh, revealed backstage that Dakota Kai was going to take uh, Mia Yim's place in the Women's War Games match, which kicked off our pay-per-view here, Jeremy. So we had Rhea Ripley, Tegan Knox, Dakota Kai, Candice LeRae facing off with Shayna Baszler, Io Shirai, Bianca Belair, and Kaylee Ray, Jeremy. The baby faces won in 27 and a half minutes. We'll get into the nuts and bolts, but uh, quick thoughts from you overall on the match. Thought it was great. Um, I thought it was better than the the first two war games match, the two men's war games match, in, in prior years. I really liked the layout. I liked the, you know, the the women went out there, pulled out all the stops. They they did the hardcore stuff. Candice LeRae with her uh, baby babyface fire was was awesome kaylee ray she really got the shine in this match where you know if you don't watch nxt you're probably not too or nxt uk you're probably not too familiar with her and she looked like an absolute star in this match and rhea ripley i mean i can't say enough like great things about her and her entire weekend but yeah she she was a star in this match and the dakota kai heel turn on uh tegan knox taking her out and then uh hitting old billy billy regal there was, was a nice touch 
such as well. Just a lot happening in this match, and I thought everyone looked good coming out of it, and a lot of the different threads that you can you can go in this match as long as you ignore the brand supremacy nonsense from Sunday night. Uh, exactly. Uh, yeah, uh, definitely a great match. <clears throat> Good, good way to kick off the show, obviously, because you had to split up the War Games matches, and you could have argued for either one to go on first or last. Didn't matter, but I definitely a great match. Uh, so, as Jeremy mentioned, uh, the big thing here in the match after you know you had Eo and Candice starting first of all, which I thought was really smart because they have history together. They had an absolute banger at a past takeover. Plus, they have a ton of experience and are used to working longer matches. So, I thought that was really smart. Uh, so they set the stage going well. Uh, match went on for a little bit, and then it was going to get evened up when Dakota Kai came in. So the timer went down. She comes out of the cage looking all fired up. She turns around and beats the shit out of her best friend, Tegan Knox. Darth Kai is here. Team Kick is officially dead. She beat the shit out of her, Jeremy. She mauled her knee with the little mini cage door, ripped off yeah. her knee brace, referees and as you said billy regal tried to come out to break it up she threw a punch at bill regal she was like get the fuck out of here i got business <laughs> to take care of and then uh rhea ripley looking all shocked in the cage as dakota kai was basically yelling at her that i was good enough the whole time and then she walked said i'm fucking out of here bitch that i lady- absolutely like loved this heel turn because dakota kai is like she wasn't on the a baby face on the level of bailey but there there were similarities maybe it's a haircut thing um but but there were similarities on just kind of like the the scrappy underdog who just never got uh they're kind of just due in in nxt and you know she was outcast from this position and everything and you look at the the two heel turns like bailey's heel turn i don't even remember how it happened on smackdown i really don't what she i mean i know she cut the bailey buddies but that wasn't the official yeah, heel she, turn she, she, she came out with her new hair and she killed the bailey buddies and then she won the title back that okay was, so that was the heel turn yeah. like yeah like it was it was fine but at the same time it was like all right cool and you know dakota kai like there's a reason for this turn they like, her snapping and attacking her best friend and then swiping it at regal like there, there's so much motivation behind this whereas bailey her motivation was just she was like losing matches and and felt overlooked but at the same time she really wasn't overlooked because she was always in some type of a spotlight so like you just look at the differences on these heel turns and it's almost night and day yeah definitely so, uh, as we kind of already mentioned, uh, they had a great match. You had a lot of great high spots. Uh, as Jeremy mentioned, Kaylee Ray really did come off like a star because there are a lot of people that don't watch NXT UK and don't know her background. She is known as a daredevil, especially when she was babyface. Uh, a lot of great stuff from her, a lot of great stuff from EO, a lot of great stuff from Candice. Um, so with the heel turn, Dakota Kai takes a walk. It's revealed that Tegan Knox is now medically not able to compete. So it's four on two advantage of the heels. And I saw a lot of fucking people complaining about this, but part of like building to a war games match is for the heels to get their comeuppance. So I didn't have a problem with the baby faces eventually overcoming, you know? So my big takeaway is like, honestly, you know, Rhea Ripley, again, we've talked about a hundred times. It feels like is such a star. She feels absolutely made after this match as if she wasn't already heading that way. 
She had big moments on TV this week with Becky and then with uh, pinning Charlotte on SmackDown. The match was great. It was crazy at times, weapon-filled. You had the baby faces overcoming those big odds. The heels got their comeuppances. That heel turn, it's like, listen, it felt really obvious that they were setting something up. But just because it's obvious does not make it bad when it comes off as good as it did. And as you mentioned, Dakota Kai wasn't exactly setting the world on fire as a babyface. Now, part of that is a booking problem. But again, sometimes you can kind of give someone a renaissance and a rebirth with a turn, whether it be heel or babyface. And this one really intrigues me because the heel turn on her best friend gave it a great emotional element on top of the babyfaces having to battle back at a disadvantage. I thought everybody delivered in a match. I thought the heel turn was the right call. And it sets up Dakota Kai versus everybody on her team at some point. And eventually, obviously, the big feud with Tegan Knox, who is her former best friend. It's probably going to be revealed that she's the one that actually took out Mia Yim, which will be great if that's the case. Ripley's win sets her up perfectly for an NXT title shot against Baszler. And basically, uh, and again, this is something we've been saying since NXT hit the USA Network and started to expand. The NXT women's division continues to kick ass and is killing it, Jeremy. The NXT women's division, it's honestly the best thing on NXT. And there's a lot of good things on NXT, but... I find the the women's division to be the the best thing on on Dakota Kai. One last thing is, yeah, it was definitely a, a booking problem that she couldn't get over as a babyface, or they couldn't get her over as a babyface, given the story be behind her. I think it was a bit of poor timing because Tegan Knox came back around the same time, and they have very similar stories, and you can't do like. You know, oh, they're both coming back from these bad knee injuries. It's tough to like sell that same story. Like only one of them can kind of get that story. And they went with Tegan Knox, who they they saw as a bigger star in the in the first place over Dakota Kai because Knox was supposed to win uh, the the May Young Classic. So I can understand that, and I like that they didn't even like they didn't try to force Dakota Kai, and instead of like making her a background player as a babyface, they're like, you know what, we're just gonna turn her heel and we're gonna boost her up. So it was yeah, should they get knocked for not being able to get her over as a babyface? Yes, was it? Kind of poor circumstances. Also, yes. Did they realize that this isn't going to work? And, you know, we have a lot of faith in her and we have a lot of hopes for her. So we're going to do something else. Yeah, they reversed the course. I, I admire that, that they actually did that. Um, and as far as the baby faces winning with, with Rhea Ripley despite and Candice despite being down 4-2, like... I thought that was great. Like it makes Rhea Ripley and Candice even like bigger stars because they did overcome those odds. Okay. Maybe it doesn't look great for the heels, but heels can lose. It's the old Scott Hall philosophy is heels can lose. And then the next night they can just be like, you know what this one, they can make a bunch of excuses. They can say it didn't happen. And then, you know, they're heels. That, that's what they're supposed to do. So, and that's what Shayna Baszler can do. Like, yeah, Bianca and all these people that I didn't trust, I, you know, they, I shouldn't have picked them. I should have picked my friends, whatever. Like, she can just be a heel to get to get out of this. And meanwhile, you make Ripley and, and Candice. Like, I don't want to... 
it's weird seeing people complain like, oh, they don't make any stars. They don't put anybody over. And then they put someone over in a four on two situation. And then they complained, well, oh, they shouldn't have put him over in that situation. Like, what do you want? No, and I agree with that. Yeah, it's you're making stars because you're Ripley comes off looking like a badass. And then you're just adding to the super baby face that Candice LeRae can be. So, yeah, I, t- I dig that. And um, going back to the Knox and Kai thing that, that you brought up, I think it's a a fair assessment of how they have similar stories. And while I thought Dakota Kai had a really potentially great story to come back and face Shayna Baszler with, because they had such a long-term thing in there with Baszler's run essentially starting when she wrecked uh, Dakota Kai's arm and stuff, the fact is, is I do think overall Tegan Knox's story is way better and has probably more babyface potential with that story. So yeah, I agree with that, and I think that's a good take. Thank you. <laughs> you are welcome. Next up, number one contenders match for a NXT title shot at the Survivor Series pay-per-view. Pete Dunne versus Damian Priest versus Killian Dane. Pete Dunne won the match at 20 minutes, 15 seconds. Jeremy, I will go to you for your thoughts first. Um, too long. Just too long. I like all three of these guys. I really like Pete Dunne um, and Damian Priest. I, I'm pretty high on as well. Killian Dunne, I can take – Killian Dane, I should – I can uh, take or leave. But I, I really like the other two. And, yeah, it, it just went on a little bit too long for me. Even the crowd was, like, groaning at – some of the pin breakups and like if, if the crowd is kind of like, Ooh, you know, let's end this thing like a takeover crowd, then you should probably end the thing. Um, Pete Dunne winning was the, the right call because he was going to get the title shot the next night. You're not putting Killian Dane in that position. You could have maybe put Damian priest in that position, but I don't think they're, they're there on him just yet. So Pete Dunne winning was, was certainly the right call. It, it was fine. I like that. It didn't follow the, the usual traditional formula of a guy roll out. And then it's just a singles match. It had more of a, a triple threat feel to it, but just too long. Yeah. Um, my biggest thing, I thought the best part about it was the fact that they largely avoided the cliche triple threat formula. There was not a lot of that two in and one out bullshit. Um, a lot of good three way action. I know make your jokes here. Um, I did think it was very good because I thought all three got the shine. It gave us the strongest winner to compete with Cole on the pay-per-view. But again, uh, I completely agreed that it was a bit too long. It needed a couple minutes edited off and I wrote at the end of my review on this match was, you know it's a near fall or four too many when the takeover crowd begins to fade. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, at the end, you could just hear them like, oh, man, really? Like, you broke that one up? Come on, let's just let's just take it home, boys. Yeah, again, it was a lot of really good stuff, and I do think it was very good. It's just, yeah, you need to... You know, we talk about it with all kinds of matches. You just need to learn some editing sometimes, and it's just... You just need to do that. Um, they announced in the building, and then it was later announced after the show, that the next takeover is February 16th in Portland. And there's also a rumored Saudi show on the 20th. So that will be a busy week. Next up. Um, yeah, can't can't wait for that. It is, it, it's it's interesting that the NXT TakeOver show is on a Sunday. And, you know, there, it's essentially a standalone event. It's not going to be a... Uh, you know, a WWE Survivor Series or Survivor Series, a WWE pay-per-view weekend. So it's a standalone event and that's what we're going to get. And I, I think that's good. It helps solidify the brand as a third brand. 
And I think that they have more confidence after they did it with NXT 25 last year as well. Definitely, definitely. So uh, so next up was Finn Balor versus Matt Riddle. Uh, I think as most expected, Finn Balor won in uh, just over 15 minutes via pin. I thought they had a very good match, but it felt like something was really missing to take it to that next level. I thought... In my opinion, it felt like Riddle seemed way less aggressive and crisp compared to his normal work. And I honestly expected Balor to amp up his game more than he did. He wasn't bad. I didn't think he held the match back, but it just... It was really good, but I was kind of disappointed by it because I thought I thought they were just capable of so much more. Uh, that's fair. I like this match. I I thought it was I thought it was really good actually. Um, I I thought it was like it flew by. I didn't realize it was fifteen minutes. I, I really thought that it was like a twelve minute match. I would have liked to seen them get more time because to me it felt like they were kind of just getting going. And maybe that's my biggest complaint is it did feel a little too short to me. And I, I don't think that's a huge knock against it. I think that's a good thing where the match feels uh, shorter than it actually is because it means you know it had my attention. Um, but yeah, I I enjoyed this match. I thought Balor played his role well and, and Riddle. Um, I mean, Riddle's good. He held his own. Uh, Balor winning was was no real surprise. And yeah, I again, I I thought this match was good. I thought they worked it really well. Yeah, and again, I thought it was very good. Like I said, it was just kind of missing something for me. I was kind of waiting for it to like hit that next level. And maybe you're right in that it needed a smidge more time, where the previous match needed less time. Yeah, so. yeah, they could have they could have evened out these two matches or even switched them to where this got 20 minutes and the other match got got 15 minutes but either way i I would have liked that a little bit better because it did feel like i agree with you that i thought they were capable of more but i didn't see it as it's because they the work wasn't there or be it balor wasn't as aggressive riddle wasn't as aggressive or whatever it is um i thought they were just capable of more because they didn't have the time to reach that next level, even though they did have 15 minutes. It felt like they were working a longer match, and then it just kind of ended. Yeah, and again, like I said, I I don't think... Uh, it's really weird. I saw some people kind of... The, the, the take on this match is really kind of widespread. So I've seen people that are like, eh, it was okay, it did nothing for me. And then I've seen these takes where like, oh, this was so great. I thought it was like a match of the year. And I'm like... I'm just kind of in that middle territory. It was very good. I enjoyed it. Both guys are great. I just, I think they're capable of much more, and maybe we will get that down the line at some point because I, I just think that there, there's a great match between those guys. You know what I mean? For sure, for sure. I, again, I think they're capable of more as well. Maybe we will see that. I hope we will see that because... But, I mean, Balor won pretty decisively here, so he can always do the rematch. It doesn't matter how decisive the, the victory is. But I'd like, to, I'd like to see them work again. Our main event of the evening was uh, the men's war game match. Team Chiampa defeated the Undisputed Era, 38 minutes and 40 seconds. Um, first of all, I, I thought that they did a really good job of playing off of the traditional war games formula, just with... Um, Undisputed Era constantly cutting people off as they had the advantage because a lot of times when people work a war game style match, the you know the babyface is coming to even it up and then they're supposed to get some, but sometimes they just get way too much and it kind of nullifies the heel advantage. 
And that takes away from pretty much the entire gimmick of War Games to me. So I thought that they worked that formula really well. Um, Kevin Owens ended up being the mystery man for um, Team Chiampa. Uh, and that came off really well. He came out with his old NXT Titantron, his NXT shirt. Crowd loved it because, you know, Kevin Owens is a guy that I think everybody really likes, but just he's not booked all that well or consistently. So they got to see him. It was like he basically got a hero's welcome, too. So that was great. And that played off of the raw angle really well when Undisputed Era attacked him. So it made complete sense. Um, thought the match was really entertaining. It broke down into just like a complete spectacle at the end. And I don't mean that in a bad way at all. Got all kind of fucking table spots and shit. Just guys going nuts. Big moves. Uh, again, really entertaining. And, um, you know, you give Ciampa, Lee, and Dijakovic more momentum to continue going after Undisputed Era and their titles because... Chiampa and Cole is eventually going to be the thing. Keith Lee has a win over Roderick Strong, so he can go after his title, or he and Dijakovic could team up. A lot of things you can do there. The addition of Owens, it it could have created some interesting drama for Survivor Series and kind of didn't. They, like, teased it lightly. But anyway, I, I thought... You know, the finish The finish was good because it caused some doubt in Cole's title defense at Survivor Series, which I thought they played well. Overall, I thought this was great. I did like that they were able to differentiate the War Games matches from each other because um, you're doing two on a show. They have to be different. I think that the women's match had a much higher and better emotional value and notes to it overall and probably replay value because of that. But this one kind of made up for that in pure chaos. I think they were both successful matches. I think they were both great. I do like the women's one a little more. But again, I think overall it served a lot of masters and what it accomplished with the winners. Um, on Kevin Owens being the mystery guy, I really like that. I mean, we both kind of thought it was going to be potentially John Morrison. Velveteen Dream's name was out there. Gargano was potentially out there. I like that. It was Kevin Owens because, as you said, it did play into the raw angle. I'll get on this in a second because I was not a fan of... I guess I can do it do it now instead of waiting until the Survivor Series stuff. On Raw, I liked that you know Triple H wanted to recruit Owens for Team NXT because Kevin Owens was a big part of NXT. He's another guy like Finn Balor who just really helped take it to that next level. And so him joining, and he's always spoken very highly of NXT through interviews and social media and stuff. So him joining that team would have been really smart. And I thought that would have been a nice way to get Andrade on Team Raw, especially after Andrade's match against Seth Rollins on Raw as well. Obviously, that didn't happen. Undisputed Era attacks Kevin Owens. Owens comes back here, gets his revenge, which was cool. I thought it was going to lead to something bigger in Survivor Series because even Triple H was like, oh, yeah, you don't know what team Kevin Owens is on. And then he's just on Team Raw and he gets beat. And it's like, okay, like what? It just it felt like it could have been so much more. And this isn't to take away from the, the Kevin Owens returning to NXT moment on Saturday, but it almost feels like they missed a kind of a big opportunity to do more with that on Sunday and they just decided not to for some reason. So I, I thought that sucked as far as an 
overall weekend storyline as far as just owens returning on saturday that ruled he got a huge pop he came off like a major star and he he looked good in the match It, it definitely broke down to a spectacle at the end with all the table spots that ending spot oh my god i know um I know Ciampa did his best to protect Adam Cole the best you can on a spot like that. Like he he got his he he was on his neck really well. He made sure his head was tucked. It's tough to protect anybody on a spot like that. Like the, you're falling he twenty it, feet by off. The, by the way, real quick, if you missed the spot he's talking about is the match ended when Ciampa and Cole climbed to the top of the cage and Ciampa hit a fucking air raid crash off the top of the cage through a table. Yeah, through two tables um, that that were side by side, not stacked. Um, yeah, it was that was such a scary looking spot, and you know that like that stuff is just as scary as like a chair shot to the head. I'm glad Adam Cole was okay. I felt really bad for Britt Baker, and I felt worse for her that they cut to her in that moment. I don't know if it's true that the director didn't know if that's the case then what the fuck i think that's Um, kind of some bullshit she's worked nxt in the past and maro fucking named her on commentary i i think maro had to name her at that point um just because she was on screen like what's maro supposed to do i do think it kind of put maro in an awkward position like can you say just adam cole's girlfriend they could have just done that or maro just could have said nothing but then i do agree with triple h if like you say nothing then it's like okay you cut to her but then acknowledge her like what's that about so i think maro was right in acknowledging her when she was on screen i don't put that on maro i put that on whoever cut to her and whether or not it's true that he didn't know who she was. Um, it was a great reaction shot. I mean, it's his legitimate girlfriend showing real concern for her boyfriend because this dude has wrestled so much this month with a fractured wrist. And then he does this fucking spot. Like I'd be, I was concerned and I'm, I'm not living with the man. Um, yeah, I I I felt bad that one she had to witness that and because that just looked like it was rough and two that they were shown on screen like that was kind of a heartbreaking shot. I'm glad Adam Cole was okay and wrestled again the next night. I'm glad fucking Chiampa's okay too because fuck's sake, dude, you just came away from neck surgery. You don't need to be doing that shit. Yeah, yeah, you're landing on your tailbone and, and your spine and stuff like like that can hurt as well. Adam Cole took the. Uh, the Panama Sunrise on you know the the metal that holds the rings together with Kevin Owens and didn't quite get over all the way like landed right on his tailbone. This dude needs the rest of 2019 off. Like I don't want to see him wrestling the rest of this year. Let him go into 2020 just healthy as possible because he busted his ass for this company um, over these last three weeks and. Yeah, I he he's banged up. He's I mean, we already know he's worked in working with a fractured wrist. It is feel like worse than that after everybody's banged up in wrestling. Adam Cole is banged up in wrestling. Uh I'm glad Ciampa winning, right call that you know you're setting up that match. So that's what, you know, him winning is, is certainly the right call. I, I like this match as well. I, I agree with you. I like the women's match more just because it kind of has more replay value and is a little bit more cohesive. And I think just the women's story going into it w- was better. But this match was was still really good. Yeah, and um I'm I'm really hoping now that after these past three weeks, because 
there's like Adam Cole was like really he got a bad rap when he first joined NXT because there were a lot of people down on him. He's not a star. He's not that good. And then all he did was deliver a takeover matches. And then all he did was him and Undisputed Era got over as the biggest acts on the brand. And then all he's done is just deliver, deliver, deliver. And now these past couple weeks, he's appeared on Raw and SmackDown. He had a great match with Daniel Bryan. He's been over huge in every appearance. He worked a fucking ladder match Wednesday. He worked War Games. And then we'll talk about he had a match of Survivor Series. I mean, I hope that these people that are like, oh, Adam Cole's not really a star, he's not that good. I hope, quite honestly, fuck off. Because if the dude has not proven it at this point, I don't know what he has to do for you. I mean, they put him on WWE backstage as well. Like, they, yeah. they've got a lot of trust in this guy, and he's, and he's over. He's working great matches. He carries himself. I, the the knock against him is the size, and that's that's really what it is. That's what people want to knock is they they think he's just too small to be the guy. But he carries himself like a star. He works like a star. He talks like a star. He's got a, the backing uh, of a, a stable like a lot of top heels throughout history, and you know he's got. He's over in just mannerisms. Like the boom is over. The baby is over. Like. I don't know what else people want from this guy. Like he is, I, I'm with you when he came to NXT, like a lot of people were like, Oh fuck. Okay. They got Adam Cole. Like, cool. He, you know, he's like a failed ROH champion. They, they really thought they had something in him. And then it, it led to absolutely nothing. I mean, maybe that's an ROH problem, not an Adam Cole problem because this guy has been awesome in NXT. Like, just from the very from the moment he joined and and attacked McIntyre and aligned with a uh, Fish and O'Reilly, like he has been one hundred percent on, and I'm glad to see him uh, working this well and succeeding in this spot. Please don't wrestle anymore in 2019. Yeah, and for those uh, you know, if you're not paying attention, uh, this main event was basically ROH One Night Stand. <laughs> It's a lot of ROH PWG one night stand stuff. Well, everybody yeah. in this match was in fucking ROH. Right. I mean, so it's like we've talked how long about the talents they've lost. And I understand that it does come down to money, but it also comes down to the company not treating people right and breaking promises and shit like that. And, all these guys, they could they could have tried to lock these guys up if Sinclair was actually serious about the company, which they obviously aren't, by the way they run it. And then you see these eight guys, you know, fucking crushing it on this show. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, so ROH one night stand there, which, uh, again, great match. Overall, Jeremy, we'll get the overall thoughts here. I thought NXT TakeOver War Games 2019 thought it was a great show. I thought the two War Games matches, which I was slightly worried about just because it's hard to pull off two of the same match in one night sometimes. I thought they both delivered in varying degrees. I thought both were great. Again, the women's uh, match I thought was a little better with more replay value. Uh, nothing bad on the show match-wise. The show flew by at like two hours. Uh, and the booking overall set up a ton of matches for the future, which is also a big feather in its cap. Not like an all-time great takeover, because there have been some just absolutely out-of-this-world takeovers, but a great show overall. Another fantastic takeover. I'm with you that 
not like the one of the absolute best, but that's no knock on this event. It's just takeovers are always awesome. Um, yeah, the two war games matches that that's one knock I have against it is I'm not a fan of just seeing like the same style match on the same show. Um, and they, they did well to, to make them feel different and, and whatnot, but it's still like, it's still two war games matches and that's half the show. It was a, a four match card, not counting the, the kickoff match. So half your show is the same match. It, it's tough to like, both of those have to be really blow away to, um, to, to just, end up as you know one of the, the highest takeovers um like kind of kind of on the list there but and, and they were both good i i like the women's match more you know th- i think that's been the best war games match they they've done so far the the other two matches uh, did one win a little bit too long and i i don't think one got to the gear that maybe it could have because it was too short so that that's a knock against it as well um but yeah still overall like the the timing helps it lasted what two hours two and a half hours it didn't feel like that at all like it really felt like it just flew by and so when you're not forced to sit through a four or five hour show like that helps as well and all the matches were good there was nothing bad on this show it's just i didn't like that the half of the show was the same match fair enough so that's going to bring us to survivor series 2019 and um, we started off with the pre-show. Did you actually watch the pre-show, Jeremy? I did watch the pre-show. I'm just How asking. dare you? How dare you think that I skip the the monumental WWE Survivor Series pre-show where brand supremacy is at stake? Fair enough. I just had to check because you know you didn't watch the MLW one. So <laughs> was brand supremacy at stake in MLW? Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> So we start off with a cross-branded tag team battle royal featuring the Good Brothers, the Revival, the Forgotten Sons, Rudin Ziegler, the Street Profits, Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins, Brizongo, Grand Metellic and Grand Dorado, um, Fabian Eichner and Marcel Barthel, and Heavy Machinery. It went 8 minutes Sucked. and 25 seconds. Yeah, Rudin Ziegler won. <laughs> it was a battle royal that existed. It was lazy and bland. And it gave us, outside of the Forgotten Sons, possibly the most boring winners. Yeah, yeah, like, put the OC over, you just had them win that big best tag team in the world, World Cup, whatever, like, just have them win this and at least make it look like you're you're trying to put somebody over, or put Heavy Machinery over, because they're really big right now, like, they're getting good reactions, especially Otis, like, put them over, like Rude and Sigler, put put the Street Profits over because they're awesome, um, and they're getting big reactions as well. Montez Ford can certainly be a star for them. Like you, you give us Rude and Ziggler. Like what what are they gonna do with this whole thing? So it was too short to mean anything. They gave us terrible winners. It sucked. Yeah, and again, like you kind of mentioned too, it's like okay, apparently they needed SmackDown to win this. Fine, okay, that's fine. Whatever. Um, heavy machinery are at least over. I, I, I didn't even know Rude and Ziggler were on SmackDown. I really thought they were Team Raw, and I realized they just teamed on SmackDown in that six-man tag on on Friday, and they've been on SmackDown in in kind of important roles the past couple of weeks. I still thought they were on Raw. 
They're hanging out with King Corbin. They're not in fucking important roles. Come on. I mean, they they did the match with uh, Ali and and Gable. I'm not calling him that other name. Uh, they did the match with Ali Ali and Gable, where the winners got the Survivor Series spot. Like that's an important match. And again, they did the six man tag match with uh, Corbin, Reigns, Gable, and Ali. So they were in semi important roles. I understand it's be King Corbin roles, but you know, for what they're doing on that show, they're in the Survivor Series mix. And I geeks. still thought they were on Raw. They're geeks. Uh, so we, we moved on. We had a Cruiserweight Championship match. Leo Rush retained his title, defeating Callisto Akira Tozawa uh, at 8.20 via pin. Um, I thought it was a good, fast-paced little match, and they made the best use of the limited time given to them. Yeah, it was it was good for the time it got. It just didn't get a whole lot of time. I was surprised this counted as a brand match because I didn't realize Tozawa and... Um, Kalisto were on uh, Raw and SmackDown. I guess Kalisto came out wearing a SmackDown shirt on um, on on Raw on Monday, and Tazawa had the match with Buddy Murphy on Raw. So maybe I should have known better, but I really didn't. Uh, good for Leo Rush, though. <laughs> apparently, you need to go back. And li- apparently, you, you need to go back and listen to our draft show, Jeremy, and you would remember all these moves. <laughs> sure. I don't remember who was on what brand, obviously. Um, it is hard to remember half the time. I, I know they're saying like, yeah, brand, you know, brands matter and stuff. But then a month after they say that stuff, everybody's on every brand because they're building to Survivor Series. So how am I supposed to keep this shit straight? And maybe three months from now when there's nobody showing up on another brand hopefully probably not i'll know who is on which brand but for right now i don't have a clue Wildcard rule 2.0 coming up <laughs> i hope so i like the wild card rule that sucked <laughs> uh so we moved on uh tag team match added to the pre-show from the main card the viking raiders defeating the new day and undisputed era 1440 via pin jeremy your thoughts Good match. I felt bad that this got on the the pre-show because it I on one hand like it kind of sucks. The the problem with it is that WWE has conditioned you to think that the pre-show doesn't really matter. Um I did like that they tried to make it seem like it mattered here by at least uh including the the winners in the the score thing at the very end. So I did like that. Uh so it made it seem like hey, these pre-show matches actually count for something. But they it we've been conditioned to believe that they don't count for anything. And so when this gets out of the pre-show instead of people being like, "Oh, cool. Like this is a match that'll get people excited for the show and they'll they'll get more time because you you have these 2 hours you got to fill in the pre-show." People are like, "Oh, they buried these guys on the pre-show." Um and I don't like that that's the reaction, but that's what it is. That's what WWE has done to us. Good, still a good match. Viking Raiders winning makes sense. Undisputed Air taking the <clears throat> loss is fine because they, they came off war games and you can just sell that aspect of it. I feel bad for Kofi. This dude had an incredible WWE title run and I was just on the pre-show and nobody remembers he was champion. That's a, that's a thing WWE does too much as well is because they want to hot potato titles so often you forget that these guys are like champions i realize gender mahal it was a terrible champion and the less you remember that reign the the better the guy's still a former champion like 
a win over him should mean a little something. Like the B team, like they're four more champions. I didn't realize, like somebody showed the graphic of NXT champions, all, all the NXT champions. I completely forgot Bobby Roode was an NXT champion. Like they, they just make, like Charlotte's like a 20 time champion, but can you remember any of her reigns and what she accomplished in them? They just, they're all like five day reigns. They make titles just feel so meaningless. And they've almost done that now with, with Kofi where he gets his great six month reign, gets beat in six seconds. And now he's just on the pre-show and you forgot he was the, the champion for the majority of this year. I don't think Kofi had a good reign. I, th- I think he had he had a great win and moment, but the title reign for me was really flat. Okay, yeah, yeah, but, that's I mean, fair. We, but we, yeah, I mean, I get your point though. I th- your point is very accurate. Yeah, we, we. I mean, we talked about during his reign, his matches weren't good. But as far as like dominant reign, like it was a dominant reign. He beat everybody. Like they they did not have him lose matches during his reign. Even like you know tag, they they finally had him lose like some meaningless two out of three falls match. Remember when they did that gimmick for? <laughs> yeah, he, he he lost a fall to Dolph, and then yeah, yeah. The only, I think the only losses he had were that fall to Dolph, and I think he lost in a tag match to Joe, which set up his match with Joe. But other than that, yeah, no, he was beating people left and right with his fucking move. Yeah, so that was great. Yeah, so he had a dominant reign. You're you're right in that. All right, match quality wise, not a great reign, but he did have a, a dominant reign where he was beating people clean and you know getting over until Brock and killed. protected. Yeah, until Brock killed him. So, so we uh, started with the main show proper with a smack or a Survivor Series elimination tag featuring the ladies. Team NXT defeated Team Raw on SmackDown 2750 via pin. Um, I thought the match was fun overall. It ended up good, but I thought it could have been better. It got awkward after they did the weird injury spot, and I'm using air quotes with EO and Candice to take them out, only for them to return later in the match and help Rhea win. Um, I didn't quite like that because it felt too much like a replay of war games. Like, oh, the, the, the supposed baby faces are down and they have a disadvantage. And then they came back and helped Rhea win. And I just, I think Rhea winning without the help would have been much better because the perceived need to protect people in this match, like Oscar missed it's Charlotte, which led to her being eliminated. And then Oscar just walked out of the match. It's like, so we're like way too concerned with protecting people. If you want to protect people that much, don't put them in the match. I mean, Rhea still came off like a big star. I felt she had a huge week overall. She pinned Charlotte on SmackDown, had the big interaction with Becky on NXT, won War Games, won here. And uh, I thought the win for NXT and her specifically was the right call, even if the booking wasn't the best for it. Yeah, the, this match was a little disjointed for me, and the the ending really took me out of it. Not only just, all right, I guess Team NXT is the baby faces. I really have no idea, but it did feel like Rhea should have just beat Sasha clean, and that should have been that, and, and you know it would have put her over even bigger. She she still came off like a huge star from that. I mean, she pinned Charlotte, she pinned Shayna Baszler, and she she pinned Sasha Banks. Like, you just beat what three of the five top stars in, in across the, the three brands in WWE with, with, with Becky and I guess Bailey being the other two. I don't think there's anybody else on that level like that. Maybe even three of the, the four, if Bailey, if you want to put Bailey below Shayna Baszler, um, I'm not quite sure I'd go that far, but still three, three of the, three of the five, um, like, like that's huge 
for her. But I didn't like that. Yeah, Candace and EO, like they did a fake injury spot and they come out and they're friends. And I didn't, I also didn't like it because it just completely forgot about War Games the fall or the previous night of like these two women just try to, not only War Games, like they've been feuding all summer. EO turned on Candace. They, they tried to kill each other at a takeover event. Like these women are not friends, but in the name of brand supremacy, they are now friends and helping each other out. So didn't really care for all of that. Glad Rhea won. That was the right call in my mind. Um, but match overall was kind of disjointed. And Natalia, Natalia's an idiot. It's it's enough. I'm glad Sasha actually turned on her again or, or backstabbed her because them working together and Natalia like being buddy buddy with her after she blindsided her and uh, tried to break her arm and said I'll see your dad in hell like you know like why are you trusting this woman did did you just completely forget about all of this or are you just that dumb it's I, I just don't like stuff like that like these women don't like each other. I understand. And in Sasha and Natalia's case, it's not even brand supremacy, but don't, you know, don't insult my intelligence with stuff like that. Fair enough, man. Uh, we moved on to backstage where Seth Rollins met with Kevin Owens and questioned him about his allegiance to team raw following takeover. And Owens said that he loves NXT, but was out for revenge against Undisputed Era. NXT doesn't need him, but Raw does, and he's Team Raw. And then he then then he questioned Seth's loyalty, which probably a good move because Seth looks pretty fucking sketchy to me. He buried Raw by saying Raw needs me and NXT doesn't. Rollins tried to get over with his Chicago Bulls gear and still got booed out of the building. Uh, yeah, again, like it looked like this could have led to something, and it did absolutely nothing. At least they explained why he went to NXT, though, instead of just leaving it a, a blank, like, fill in, fill in the blank here with your own imagination. At least they explained it as much as I think it could have and should have led to something. I will give them credit for at least giving me something of why it happened. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, next up, Roderick Strong defeated Shinsuke Nakamura and AJ Styles in 17 minutes via pin. I thought they had a good match. I was hoping for more because they got plenty of time. Um, Roddy winning, I thought, was the right call because he was great and was easily the best guy in this match. I tweeted that beforehand. I said, Roderick Strong's the best wrestler in this match. And people were like, yeah, like a year ago, 18 months ago, I would have disagreed. But nowadays, it's kind of tough to disagree. Strong is great. Uh, Nakamura and AJ, like they brought it for this match. I, I think they unfortunately just kind of are what they are at this point. Like they're still good and they can turn it up when they need to. But the days of them just... I mean, Nakamura has always been like, uh, uh, depending on how I feel is the match you'll get. AJ's always been, I'm going out there, busting my ass, stealing the show every single time. And I'm just not sure we're, we're going to get that AJ Styles ever again. Um, but I, th I thought they worked well in this match. I overall, I like this match and, and Roderick Strong winning was, was certainly the good call. He got the, he got the, uh, the the steel victory you called that in one of the matches i don't know i, I called the was. steel victory here but I, I had it for aj i was i was waiting uh, for roddy to hit the end of heartache on nakamura and for styles to steal the pin i i kept waiting for it i was hoping it was going to happen so i could take a victory lap just because that would have been great but well you <laughs> called the you called the finish you just had the guys wrong that's okay plans change yeah. <laughs> but yeah it was uh, it was good it was just um 
I, they got plenty of time. I just, I, I thought they could have done a little more, but there's nothing wrong with it. I know, saw some people really down on this one too. I, I don't think see a big reason to be down on it. It was good. It's just maybe if you were expecting great, you're disappointed, and I was a little disappointed. I'll admit that, but it's, you know, it, it is what it is, and good is not bad. So, I know that sounds rather kind of redundant and stupid, but it's not. I mean, you know, it's okay to be disappointed though. The Miz met with Daniel Bryan backstage about the main event. Miz was trying to give him like a big dad-to-dad pep talk, and Bryan basically told him to fuck off and leave. Good. That's what should happen. Yeah. Commentary announced that Mar Ronaldo is not here tonight because he was so emotional with TakeOver that he blew his voice out. Um, Are we going to talk about this? Yeah, go ahead, dude. Kick it off. Uh, I mean, I don't know what the real reason is. I don't think he blew his voice out, considering Corey Graves criticized him on Twitter, and um, Morrow deleted his Twitter. Frank Shamrock was essentially alluding to punching Corey Graves in the face because Corey Graves has Twitter fingers. I don't know what the deal is with Morrow. Um, We know he has mental health issues. We know maybe that he doesn't take criticism very well um, online, especially if it's going to come from a fellow employee and a fellow announcer like that. Can can we just not do this with Morrow? Like I like Corey Graves probably thinks he's working some type of angle or some shit because I I don't think Corey Graves knows how to blur the lines very well sometimes. But understand who you're taking these shots at and, and what he's battled and everything, and just don't don't do it. Like talk to him personally. You know, say maybe say these things. Don't go on Twitter and and try to shoot an angle or just criticize this man because you know he he doesn't take these things that well i i it's disappointing from Corey graves i don't know i don't even know if it's uh shocking because this is kind of what Corey graves does but it it's disappointing to see and uh, truthfully i hope morrow's voice is blown out because of his excitement and he's not just like you know so affected by these Corey graves comments but if you're looking, if you're reading the tea leaves, if you're trying to put two and two together, it, it seems kind of obvious that it's the Corey Graves stuff. I, get, I don't know this for certain. It's it's just me waxing poetic or uh, whatnot. But yeah, it, disappointing from Corey Graves. First of all, I find it fucking rich that Corey Graves, who was a really, really promising announcer at one point and then turned into cliche WWE speak bullshit crappy announcer, is criticizing anybody. Especially in his company. Now, I get that a lot of people don't like Morrow. I see the criticism all the time. I will freely admit that Mar Ronaldo is pretty much turned up to 11 all the time. And that he uses a ton of pop culture references. And that these two things combined annoy the shit out of people. I understand that. If Morrow's not your cup of tea, that's great. But I will say this. I will take a dude turned up to 11 who sounds passionate and excited about the product all day fucking long over the bullshit we get on the quote-unquote main event roster announcers who sound disinterested, constantly talk about hashtags, and talk in WWE speak while low-key getting over Vince McMahon's insecurities on commentary. Again, it's all what you prefer, and I freely understand that people do don't like Mara. I know there's a large audience of people that are just annoyed by the guy. 
I get it. It's okay. But again, I will take the overexcited, overpassionate announcer any day. It's just, you know, I say what you will about him, but the dude does bring a great energy to NXT. Does he need to turn it down every once in a while so that it means a little more into bigger moments? Obviously, I think that is a completely fair criticism. You can't be turned up to 11 all the time. It's just like a wrestling match itself. You can't... Like, we, we talked about Will Ospreay and guys like AJ Styles, how they evolved from just these breaknecks, fast-paced, spot-monkey-style guys. And don't get me wrong, AJ Styles is an all-time great at this point. But early in his career, he was a fucking spot dude. And then he slowly started to evolve into a guy that... Could wrestle a solid match, but had spectacular spots. And then over the years, he was putting all the pieces together. And he was slowing down at the right times and using his spectacular abilities and spots in the right times. Will Ospreay started out as nothing but a fucking video game wrestler. What he did was absolutely spectacular. But learning how to construct a a better wrestling match, learning how to strike injury issues, and just growing as a performer has changed him greatly into more of a compete wrestler. He's still spectacular. He still does some insane shit. But he's more of a complete guy. He's learned when to play the high notes. It's like when you're a musician. I was a trumpet major. I was a jazz musician specialist. I was the number one trumpet on jazz band, which meant I played all the high shit, which is what I loved. But but again, when I had to play concert band or orchestra, I had a completely different rule. You just can't play the high notes all the time because they eventually lose value. And that's what you have to learn as a wrestler, and that's what I think Morrow, with all due respect, has to learn as an announcer. I, I think he brings a ton to the product, but he's turning people off at the same time. But yeah, the Corey Graves thing, it's like, Listen, someone people were to say that Morrow's being insecure and stuff, but I mean, I'm not going to judge because, I mean... He is bipolar. He's had mental health issues and depression problems. And the last thing you need, I mean, after he went through the alleged issues with JBL, is someone at your workplace taking a shot at you in public. Like Jeremy said, if you got an issue with the guy, send him a DM, send him a fucking text. Don't come off like a fucking immature asshole on Twitter. It's, I don't know. So, yeah, I hope his voice was actually fucked up and he couldn't do the show. Because I don't want to hear weeks on weeks of stories of Corey Graves bullied Morrow into taking a month off because Morrow's mental health became an issue and all that shit. Because, number one, it's going to be annoying reading it all. Number two, it's just horrible for Morrow. And, you know, Corey Graves could stand not to be an asshole because this is a guy who wants people to feel bad for him after he started dating Carmella and people were treating him and Carmella badly because, you know, he was married and shit. And he's like, well, maybe you guys should understand to be a little more sympathetic to me. He's like, well, you want people to be sympathetic towards you, but you can't be sympathetic towards your own co-worker? I don't know. I, just... I like My thing with Graves is I, I could fully believe he thinks that he's like shooting an angle here because, Probably, yeah. you know, they we, we got Survivor Series the next night and he's like, oh, I'm going to shoot that's announcer angle, even though we're not actually having a match or anything. I, maybe he thought he was 
Maybe he was told on Saturday, like, hey, you're going to be calling one of these matches with Morrow and whoever the SmackDown guy or quarters, whoever a Raw guy and Lawler. Like, it's going to be you, Morrow, and Lawler. And, and Graves just felt like, oh, okay, well, I'll do this stuff on social media. And then when we call the match, like, we'll, you know, I'll kind of keep it up and jab at him and stuff. And, like, I fully believe Corey Graves could have thought that. And, again, if he did – just understand who you're working with and run it by that guy if you're going to do that shit. Because Morrow is not someone that you just need to take shots at knowing his, his mental health history. So either tell him that's what you're going to do or just don't fucking do it. Yeah. Completely agree. And you're probably right. He probably did thought th- thought he was like shooting some cool angle or some shit. I don't know. Or he's just a dick. <laughs> uh, Yeah, I mean, that's... Very possible. I mean, he's kind of Corey Graves. It's what he is these days, I think. I don't know. He'll address it all on After the Bell, where he can't be fired. No filter. Yeah, sure. <laughs> that that sounds... He's, he's probably going to... He's going to pull the Jim Cornette defense. Nobody can take a fucking joke. Oh, God. We're, we're not talking about that guy. No, fuck that. I just, I've had enough of that shit, too. Um, so yeah, um, anyway, now that we're off of that, NXT Championship match, Adam Cole defending against Pete Dunne, Adam Cole, what, I, I said in the preview, Jeremy, these guys don't need 30 minutes, give these guys a nice 15 minute window, let them do their thing with no bullshit, Adam Cole defeated Pete Dunne in 14 minutes, 20 seconds via pin, I thought this was a great match. I greatly appreciate them acknowledging the injuries from the previous night and effectively working them into the framework of the match overall. It's a very simple but often ignored thing. Um, I thought that they did a great job of working the whole match to set up the Panama Sunrise spots at the end. It paid off really well with big momentum changing spots and that led to the finish. Uh, Again, great match overall was the match of the night for me at this point. And um, I also thought they did an effective job of selling that Dunn could possibly win. They had the crowd into it. And um, my closing line was, can Brother Cole score a few days off now, which you already talked about in the NXT review. Yeah, yeah. He he needs some time off. Um, I like this match. They... The crowd was not into it at first. They, I don't know what it was, but the, the crowd was just kind of, all right, uh, you know, it's here. Do, do we like Adam Cole. We like Pete Dunne, but it's already felt like it's been a long damn show. So, But they worked hard. They got the crowd into it big time by the end, and Pete Dunne continues to have great matches. Adam Cole caps off just a hellacious couple of weeks, and yeah, give, give my man some time off. Seriously, let let the man go home and cuddle up with uh, Dr. Britt Baker and have have a good time. You know, he he needs some time off. But yeah, I, I thought this was great. I really enjoyed this. And again, they didn't have to go long. I thought they got the right amount of time. I thought they worked the right match. And uh, definitely a very positive addition to the pay-per-view. Yeah, definitely. Next up was the Universal Championship match, Jeremy. The Fiend defeated Daniel Bryan in 10 minutes to retain the championship. Your thoughts, sir? It was good. It felt long early. Like it only went 10 minutes and it still felt like it was longer than that. The problem with the fiend is they've just built him as this unbeatable monster already. So like this really speaks to 
uh, Daniel Bryan's connection to the crowd that, you know, when the yes stuff started, like people believed like, oh shit, Daniel Bryan can do this. It's like the, the, the fiend took 8 million stomps and, and fell through electrical equipment and sledgehammers and chairs and all this other nonsense. Like Daniel Bryan's little running knee ain't beating this dude. Um, but the crowd was into it cause fuck, they love Daniel Bryan and I don't blame him. I love Daniel Bryan too, but like, this is going to be an issue with fiend matches now in that you've got to kill this man to potentially beat him. And his heat segment is, is so long where he just beats the guy down. And then the underdog comeback doesn't work as well because we've seen what this man can take. So some wrestling moves don't, don't feel as big. It worked then this match by the end because it was Daniel Bryan. It ain't fucking working. Like, it didn't work with Seth Rollins. It ain't working with many other people because no one or very few people have that connection that Daniel Bryan has with the crowd. Daniel Bryan was the most overdue on this show. Yeah. And uh, as you said, it, he actually made the people believe. They got into it. They they got the big yes chant from Bryan. Um, I, I think that they, they smartly kept it short. They gave Brian the big shock and all run. It was better than I expected. And um, I thought Brian in particular was great here. That shitty fucking lighting needs to go, though. Yeah, yeah. Everyone says that. It's just Well, the crowd yeah. actually chanted awful lighting at one point, which I laughed at. Uh, is that what they were chanting? Yeah, um, early on. It was uh, when they brawled to the floor, the, the fiend hit a senton, and uh, the, ch- the crowd started chanting for awful lighting. I well, I mean, they're they're right. Not yeah, knock that shit off. Yeah, but uh, no, this is more what like, if you're gonna do these fiend matches to set them up to eventually be beaten. This is more what you need to do. And I've talked about this in the preview and after the Seth matches. They have to be shorter matches because it's hard to give a flying fuck about this shit after 23 minutes and 18 curb stomps. Like, I was dreading on Twitter. I wrote, future tweet, I hope, you know, it's like, hope it's not true. I was like, 20 minutes and 37 Busaiku knees later, the Fiend retains. Which is kind of what I was expecting. Thankfully, they played it much better than I thought they would. And again, it was good. It was probably the best Fiend thing they've done. Keep it short like that. Let them run through a bunch of people until WrestleMania, where the big dog is going to take the win. I hope so. I love Roman Reigns. So... Speaking of Roman Reigns, he was up next in our Survivor Series men's tag team match. Reigns, Strowman, Ali, Gable, and Corbin versus Rollins, Orton, Ricochet, Owens, and Drew. McIntyre versus Ciampa, Damian Priest, Matt Riddle, Keith Lee, and the Big Daddy, Walter. Unfortunately, Walter was eliminated early, and the crowd was not happy because he was actually over with this crowd. Walter P. Dude, this dude like never loses in NXT or NXT UK, and then he gets beaten three minutes in this fucking match like i was looking forward to walter chopping the shit out of people and we just never really got it and like that was that was disappointing yeah the crowd was not happy about that and, I'm, not and trying, was I'm not trying to cast aspersions or you know make false claims but i'm thinking the big dog pulled a power power play here it was like listen i know i got a chest protector but i ain't dealing with that bullshit he's out of here before i match <laughs> uh let's let's not bury roman reigns like that it, it was sad no to, no to i got a lot of praise for roman later in this match but seriously i mean i don't know if i'm the big dog i'm not taking his fucking chops from walter <laughs> i don't care if i got a chest protector or not 
Reigns is a man. I, I put it more on Rollins. Rollins was probably like, yeah, even though I'm wearing my stupid Bulls jersey, I ain't taking <laughs> those chops. Reigns, Reigns will take them. Reigns don't care. Fair enough. Um, so Team SmackDown ended up winning the match 29 and a half minutes. Um, so I, I, I hated the early elimination of Walter just for the fact that, as you mentioned, the man never loses. And he got taken out really quick. Thought you could have done a little more with him, but I absolutely love that Keith Lee got the deep run and was the last man left on his team. Um, and I kind of want to talk about Keith Lee here, man. I mean, I love Keith Lee. I wrote a lot about Keith Lee coming out of the WWN and ROH era into NXT. A lot of love for him. Think he's a dude that could be a big star. Look at this week he's had. He had, I, I know Adam Cole is getting all the love, and Adam Cole deserves all the love he's getting. But Keith Lee was in the major closing angle on Raw. He, he, you know, he was in this, the stuff in, on, on NXT. He was in the ending stuff on SmackDown. He won in the main event of War Games. And he pinned Seth Rollins here. And then he went toe-to-toe with the big dog to close out the match before finally losing. So Keith Lee had a fucking hell of a week. Huge week for the guy. I can't think of anybody that deserves it more, honestly. Very happy for him. Uh, I really enjoyed this Survivor Series match. I thought it was... I thought some of the elimination stuff felt a little off at times, especially the Walter one, but... um. I, I love the Keith Lee stuff. I thought the closing stretch was extremely well done. I thought Lee felt like a star even though he lost because the big dog gave him the fist bump afterwards. It felt like the best Survivor Series match in a while to me. I thought it was actually a great match. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed this match as well. I questioned some of the Walter, the Walter stuff, uh, some of the elimination stuff as well, like Walter, like the Kevin Owens thing. Again, I think they could have done more with that and just made that into him going to NXT, just a bigger thing. And I don't know if you like turn Owens and send him to NXT full time, but it just felt like it was. It, almost a throwaway type thing. I wish they would have done more there. You know, Matt Riddle got to pin Randy Orton. Um, that yeah. that was big, and uh, you know, Orton still got the RKO. Um, and then Corbin snuck in there for the win. Reigns turn not turning on, but taking out Corbin. They they tied up a lot of little threads or kept a lot of little threads going. Uh, the Shield stuff. Keith Lee, as you said, big time star, getting to pin Seth Rollins and going toe to toe with Roman Reigns. The the kick out at the end. I don't know if he got his shoulder up on that one. If he didn't, I mean, they, he lost anyway. Whatever. If he did. The timing was amazing. Reigns' timing after the pop-up powerbomb, and Reigns took that really fucking well, too. Um, his timing on that kickout was good. Reigns does really well on those 2.9 kickouts. I don't think he gets enough credit for that. He does. He really does. No, you're completely correct on that. I, I like I, I love Roman Reigns. I think he's good. I understand people don't like the whole push stuff, but as far as in-ring ability and just he, he's so much better than people want to give him credit for, and this is a, another example of it. And people are going to be like, oh, Roman Reigns wins, LOL. It's like, yeah, but he like he, I, he didn't feel like he buried Keith Lee on this thing. Like He made Keith Lee look really good. He gave him a little fist bump at the end, which, which helps. And you know, Roman Reigns is their top star, whether they want it to be Seth Rollins or what like Roman Reigns is their guy so there's no like he's winning 
uh, who cares? The the top guy should win. Cena won a lot, and I get that. LOL, Cena wins, and like it gets old and stuff. The the that's a top guy for the reason. It's it's because they want them to win a lot, and it's because they do win a lot. So, didn't bother me that Roman Reigns won, especially after the performance he turned in. Like his performance, it was kind of not noticeable in the first half, but the second half of the match, he was all over. The he place. was he was fucking great on the stretch. I thought. The thing with Roman with me is that, like, it's not the push. It's the fact that there are times when the push wasn't working and they just didn't care. They didn't care about crowd reactions. And then they just didn't know how to book matches properly to turn things around or to play into it to a degree. Like, I laughed that year when they were building to him versus Triple H. And Roman was supposed to be the big baby face, right? And on there's an episode of Raw where Triple H runs out, beats the ever-living fuck out of him and bloodies him and starts crotch-chopping and mocking the fist pump. And everybody's chanting Triple H as a fucking hero. When he's supposed to be the biggest heel in the company, it's like, they just need to course correct and book matches properly. Because again, like you just said, and we saw at the end of this match, I mean, Sometimes Roman just comes off as so great. It's not a Roman's ability problem. It's not that he doesn't try. It's not that he doesn't have effort. It's lack of layout, lack of proper booking that hurts him. It's not him that hurts him. I mean, you know, you you look at other people in the past that like they get a push and they're like, well, they're hurting themselves because they're not delivering. It's not that Roman doesn't deliver. I just think that he's never put in quite the right position at times to make the most out of what he does best. And he pretty much did what he did does best here. He was really good here. He ended up winning, yes. I didn't have a problem with it because he made Keith Lee look really good. Gave him respect afterwards. And, it, you know, it's like Keith Lee comes out of this weekend. You, you come out of this weekend, Jeremy, you look at Adam Cole, Rhea Ripley, Keith Lee. All people that came out bigger stars than they came in to the past couple weeks. And I think that's a big positive. We can mock the brand supremacy thing all, all we want. We can make jokes and there is inconsistencies and stuff like that. But I mean, there were some efforts to make stars here. They they made a lot of NXT guys. They The goal of Survivor Series and really the whole weekend and the whole build was to show... NXT was on the level of Raw and SmackDown, and they they did a very good job of doing that. And we, you know, you can say why they did it, and a big reason is to think like they had the AEW competition, and so they, you know, they want to win the viewership and the ratings and stuff. So they want everyone to think, hey, this show is just as important as Raw and SmackDown. So we need the two million people who watch those shows to watch this show as well. Um, like that, maybe that is, I'm sure that plays a part in it, but they also need to build stars and they, they did that in this, like whatever their reason is, I really don't give a shit what their reason is. As long as they just give me something new and something fresh and they do actually build stars. And they did that this weekend. Yeah, I think so. So that's good. Uh, real quick while we're on, kind of on that, uh, NXT did end up winning the ratings last week. You know, they had the big push at the end of Raw with Triple H saying, hey, a bunch of people are coming to NXT, please watch Wednesday, and it worked, and they won. Here's the thing, NXT had a great takeover show, 
They ended up winning the night here at Survivor Series. They did push some stars. There's going to be the post-pay-per-view buzz, although it's a couple days after the pay-per-view. But they're not going to have Raw and SmackDown people on NXT this week. Maybe. Well, I mean, supposedly they're not. (laughs) Theoretically, yeah. So, I mean, on the surface, do you think NXT picks up a second win this week? Um... I know people like pointed at the demo, like AEW still won the demo, and and that's what people are looking at. Like, I think advertisers are happy either way. Like, it just depends on what you're putting more stock into. Maybe there's more stock into the demo. I think th- that's why that's how they're ranked, uh, one through one fifty on Showbuzz. So, it's obviously a very important thing. I don't think they're gonna win the demo at all. I the viewership though. I don't know. I I I think the raw follow up will be more important because they need to like push it on raw. And like it's a USA network show. So it's not like Fox where you can you can understand why all right, we're not going to really advertise this USA network show. And I still think WWE is making a mistake whether it's WWE or USA network by not running NXT ads during uh, the Fox show because like you should be doing that um, but this is another USA Network show so they should be pushing hey NXT won the Survivor Series you know 8 o'clock Wednesday nights you're gonna see this guy and that guy you know he beat this guy over the weekend like Keith Lee looked like a star they got Shayna Baszler she pinned uh, she she pinned Bailey. she won the main event uh, they got Rhea Ripley she pinned Sasha Banks like they should be pushing that stuff on all. If they don't do that, then I think AEW just returns to the normal and AEW is back on track and they keep winning for the weeks to come. If they do push that, then I think it's going to be close once again. I think that's fair. I'm going to be really interesting to see how much of this last week and this weekend matters for this week. I mean, were people only watching because, I mean, I mean, we're not joking. Triple H at the end of Raw was basically saying, please watch NXT. A bunch of cool people are going to be there. We promise. Yeah. And, I, I mean, mean he's, more, and he, people watched. So yeah, good for I mean, them. People, people didn't know it was going to be Becky and, and Seth, but they knew that you know, the revival were advertised. And yeah, as you said, like they left the door open. So people knew that it was going to be somebody and some big stars. I, honestly, WWE doesn't feel like they have any big stars to where even if you promoted Seth Rollins, it probably would have been like, eh, fuck that. I'm not actually watching now. So I think they did that the the right way. Um, I think it's in the follow-up. I think you have to promote that stuff. And then it completely almost goes against like your whole brand supremacy thing because why would you promote that you just lost this stuff? But it's all WWE anyway. That's why it shouldn't be brand supremacy. It should be like, hey, these are stakes involved where the the brand gets a pick or or the the main event at WrestleMania or the 30th slot at Royal Rumble, whatever. And then it doesn't just feel like when you do have to promote, hey, this brand won and – uh, it doesn't feel so cheapened because it, why would these announcers say like this brand won if the brands just get back to normal? Like if you have to say, hey, they won and now they get this, then it just feels more natural than, yeah, they like they just won. But 
we have to say this because we're told to. We really don't want to if it was an actual brand supremacy thing, if that makes any sense. I feel like I'm just rambling. Yeah. No, no, you, you're making sense. <laughs> I'm going to be interested to see what the numbers are. Cause it's like, was it just the one week thing or is there is there still curiosity coming out of it? Um, if AEW wins, is it really close or does NXT just kind of drop back down to where they were? Um, and how I'm going to be also interested to see how much they're down. Cause it is like the night before Thanksgiving and a lot of times viewership is down a bit that night. AEW has got a big, big show too. Like they yeah. promote Cody's return. They're doing, um, Jericho and Pac. Sky. Yeah. Chris Jericho's defending the title. They're doing Pac and, and Omega. They're doing MJF and Hangman who are two guys, like two future stars that they have, uh, you know, diamond Dallas page. I don't know how much he means, but he's doing the, the whole bad diamond ring gimmick. Like they're putting their stars on this show. I, I they're probably going to announce like a young bucks match in the next couple of days, which I don't even know if they need to announce uh, at this point because, but they've got their top guys. They, they've got Jericho. They've got Cody. They've got Omega. I think those are along with the Bucks. Like those are their their top guys. And then they've got um, uh, MJF and, and Hangman, who are their their perceived top guys for the years to come. So they're they're stacking this show. Yeah. So I'm gonna be really interested just to see. I'm I'm just it, it's a big curiosity factor. I don't think that this week is a big indication marker or things because it, it's kind of weird. I don't know. I just I'm just more interested in things, but. Carrying on with the pay-per-view here, WWE champion Brock Lesnar defeated Rey Mysterio. Six minutes and 50 seconds via pin in a no-disqualification match. Uh, they they tried to do everything they could to try to convince you Rey had a chance. He used a pipe. Brock murdered him for a bit. Dominic came out and teased, throwing in the towel. Brock refused that, which led to low blows from Rey and Dominic. Um, they hit a uh, pipe shots, chair shots, a double six one nine. Uh, Dominic and Ray hit fucking frog splashes for two, and then Brock hit Germans and uh, an F five, and that was it. Uh, I thought it was far from great, but I actually thought it was a lot of fun. There was that; it was a very, very brief tease of Ray actually winning after Dominic helped. Uh, and apparently, Dominic learned well from his father Eddie Guerrero there with the low blow and cheating. Um, I, I thought it was good. Like, it's nothing I'm really going to remember, but I thought it served its purpose. And, um, I mean, it didn't need to go long if they weren't going to try to work a great match. You know what I mean? I mean, I'd rather a short match from time to time that's at least good and makes sense. Oh, I love this match. I, like, I, I've said it before. I love Brock. I think he is he's one of the more protected people in wrestling. And because of that, his, his matches come off like a bigger deal when he throws around. And then he has like the, just, I don't give a shit attitude. Like at the end of this match where he's like, all right, I took this double six one nine. I took these frog splashes. I'm just going to get up, suplex this kid, catch this dude in the F five and then get the fuck out of here. Like Brock just feels special when he does shit like that. Um, compared to like, someone like the fiend where it's just overkill almost brock just gets up you know he's a badass so he just gets up does this shit and it's just like i'm sick of it i'm over it i'm ending this 
Like, I, I love that about Brock. And the dominant, like, the hope spots with Dominic were really good. The double 619, the frog splash stuff, the the low blows, the chairs, the pipes. Like, you, you do that hope spot, and, and the crowd was really into that. I didn't go on too long or anything. I thought this match was, was great. It was exactly what it needed to be. And the only thing I didn't like about it was Rey Mysterio's tribute to Doink the Clown. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> Uh yeah, Ray with his wacky little clown mask tonight. So, um, no, it was enjoyable. And um, I, again, like if they weren't going to try to work a a quote unquote great match, I mean, I think that this is a best case type thing right now. I just I kind of find it funny that um, how much did we hear about Brock looking at Braun Strowman and saying, "Nah, that's not good for me, brother." But yet, because he's working Ray Mysterio, he's like, "Yeah, I'll sell for Dominic. That's fine." Yeah, <laughs> I just, I just kind of laughed at that. It's like Brock's like, yeah, Ray, you're you're cool. Uh, yeah, your son's kind of big. All right, <laughs> but no, I, I thought it worked for what it was. And again, you actually got the crowd into it. Uh, unlike our main event, which we're gonna go on to next. Yeah, yeah. Uh, commentary <laughs> was talking a lot about Ronda Rousey, and they main evented with Bailey, Becky Lynch, and Shayna Baszler, and. I thought that because of that and with the Ronda drops that they were actually going to shoot like a big angle here. Because I think everybody like, thought that. Yeah, it's like, you know, why are you going to main event with the women? It's like, no disrespect. It's like, I just, I didn't quite understand. I just thought there might be a big angle. So Shayna Baszler defeated Bailey and Becky Lynch at 1805 via submission when Shayna Baszler tapped out Bailey. Jeremy, I will go to you first, sir. Uh, the the match just the crowd wasn't into it they they worked as hard as they could but it was still just disjointed in some spots and crowd just wasn't into it they were chanting for cm punk they were chanting this is awful they were chanting we want tables like this is the like it was the same thing at wrestlemania i love the build to this match i thought this was one of the better built matches in in the whole thing because it wasn't just okay blindside attack brand supremacy nonsense like becky bailey and Shayna all have very <laughs> defined characters and they all played their their characters very well leading up to this match and this match felt like a big deal but it's, uh similar to the wrestlemania match you stick this at the end of a five-hour show, and then you expect this crowd to care, and it's like, eh, I'm just kind of ready to go home. Like, I don't want, I don't want to be here anymore. Even if this match does have build, and even if it's not bad, I'm just kind of over it. And and that one speaks to the shows are too long. Two does speak to it is a reflection on the the these women and and just how they've been. I don't know if it's how they've been built because I've been behind it, but it's it's a reflection on something that this should be able I, – I guess it's the work more than anything because they should be able to get the crowd into the match if the story is that good, and I think it has been good, and if the work is that good. And while this was fine, it wasn't you know the, the most high work rate match of all time, but again, it's – it's a, the end of a five hour show and then you want these people to care and it's like they, they just don't. So I felt bad for all three of them. And it's, it's just too long of a show. 
and they they tried really hard but it was disjointed crowd didn't really care and it did feel like the crowd was waiting for something as well obviously the crowd can't hear the commentary but i think they figured oh they're gonna main event with this they like they gotta do something out of this like especially after the the ray and brock thing that dominic killed the town man apparently so um i thought that they worked very hard and again, as you mentioned, the show was really long. It went over five hours with the fucking pre-show. And it's not a work rate issue as much as the fact that the fucking layout was so lazy with the horrible too much two in and one out thing with Shayna and Becky taking naps at various times. There was just no heat to it. And... Nothing they did in this match made it feel main event worthy to me. There was never like a series of hot near falls. There was never an escalation of action to a great drama spot or a near tap out. It was, they worked hard. They tried. Nobody kind of cared. And it was an extremely flat way to end the show. And then Shayna wins, and Becky's a sore loser and beats her up afterwards to stand tall. Yeah, that was the... Again, everyone seemed to expect a Ronda Rousey thing. That, that was the chatter on Twitter um, and even teased by the announcers how much they, they brought it up. And so when Shayna wins, it's like, all right, well, you're not bringing out Rousey now to celebrate with her. Like, that seems like kind of a waste of time. And so Becky attacks her and takes her out. It's like, okay, you know, here we go. Like, when's the music going to hit? And then it never hit. And Becky just stood there. And it's like, okay, so she just, like, got her heat back. Like, cool. Um, You're building to a match that I don't know when or if it's going to happen because – it's supposed to be no more brand split stuff. So, you know, when is Becky going to face Shayna, Shayna in a one-on-one unless Shayna just gets moved after losing, uh, to, likely losing to Rhea Ripley at some point. Um, so, yeah, it just, the ending just, it felt very cold. And that from the moment the bell rang to Becky standing tall at the end, like everything just felt cold to close this show. Yeah, and that, that's unfortunate because, unfortunately, lasting the, the last impression is kind of the, the the lasting one for a lot of people, and I know a lot of people were disappointed when the show ended because of that, and it's it's understandable. It's just for various reasons, and again, I, part of it is the show being too long. Part of it is the match layout because they didn't. It's not that they didn't work hard. It's just. The match was never laid out to be successful, in my opinion. It never, again, there was no big drama spots. There were no really great near falls to make people bite. Like, you know, Ray got that great near fall on Brock before he got killed. And that's why people were into that. And this just didn't have that. It was, I guess at best it was solid, but again, that's not how you want to close your show. Especially after you just spent, what, three weeks building to this big giant uh, brand, brand supremacy jerk-off fest? I think the other thing is, and and this is, I don't think people cared about brand supremacy. Like, I, I really, who the fuck cared about brand supremacy? 
the the thing with it was NXT was up three to two to one. So either Raw win, you know, Becky wins, and then it's three two two. NXT still wins. Bailey wins, and then you get a tie. But I, I don't think many people bought Bailey was actually going to win this thing. And then you get a tie, or Shayna wins, and then it's four two one. Like, you know, if you're going to do this brand supremacy thing, the last match should feel like it. Oh, this is going to settle things right here. Like the winner of this match is going to earn brand supremacy for their brand. And that wasn't the case in this match. Again, I, I'm not trying to put much stock into brand supremacy because it doesn't matter. Like, no one came into this thing thinking, can't wait to see which brand ends up with the most wins and gets brand supremacy. But at the same time, if you're going to try to make it mean something and you're going to try to build drama in this final match, it took away from the drama of whatever the brand supremacy is. Yeah, and again, I think that goes back to it's. It would be better if there were just like flat stakes for this. You know, you get you get to raid somebody from a brand. You get the main event of WrestleMania for your brand. You get the last three spots in the Royal Rumble for your brand. Something, just give me something to care. And um, so yeah, and that that's I think you're right in that the fact that it wasn't really for anything besides just bragging rights between the three at that point was it, it took away from it. And the fact that they couldn't create drama or get the crowd into it. And that I think people were kind of just politely sitting through it cause they were expecting something afterwards. And all they got was pouty Becky getting revenge to stand tall. And it's like, really? That's okay. That's thanks. So. Yeah, it never felt like they were building to anything in the match. It did feel like they were almost just going through the motions because they knew, okay, well, even if we don't quite deliver in this match, we got this hot angle to to close things out. So that's what people remember. And their hot angle was was just Becky Lynch, which fine, I, I like Becky Lynch, but you know that's not her just standing tall after losing. I, I know she didn't take the pinfall, but they, she still lost isn't really a, a hot close to the show. Certainly not. Um, so Jeremy, overall thoughts on Survivor Series 2019? Good. The The end of it did sort of, you know, that's the lasting impression. So that, unfortunately, that is sort of the last thing in my memory. But otherwise, like, still a good show um the the men's survivor series match i thought was really good did did a lot accomplished a lot of things adam cole and pete dunn was awesome i loved ray and brock for what it was brian and and fiend fortunately didn't go too long in the crowd absolutely loved brian um women's match a little disjointed the 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 secondary title triple threat I thought was good, but you know, lacked maybe a little something. I'm sure I'm forgetting a match somewhere, but still overall a, a good show. Just as always with these WWE pay-per-views too long. The pre-show does not need to be two hours. Like they, they don't have all the matches until the final hour anyway. So you're just getting talking for two hours. Or and it's for not even good hour. talking. Yeah, and I understand, like, okay, 
you know, does that really count as a part of the hour? Look, as a viewer that I'm watching it, yes, it counts as part of the hour. Maybe I should learn better to not watch that first hour, but the Battle Royal did take place in that final 10 minutes of the the first hour. So maybe as a viewer I should learn, hey, don't watch this, but I kind of have to watch it. It's part of what we do. So, you know, but the these two-hour pre-shows, just too long, and then... The show really wasn't that long, though. It was what three and a half hours from from you know yeah. main show to to ending. Like that's not bad. Three and a half hours, okay. I can, I can live with that on, on a big four pay per view. But you throw in the two hour pre show, which an hour that's absolutely nothing. It's like all right, then the show just gets too fucking long. And you can tell if it doesn't, even if it doesn't affect the viewer at home, because. All right, you don't have to tune into the pre-show, or at least tune in only for the final hour. The crowd is there at five. They're like they're arriving before five. Not the entire crowd, granted, but they they fill up pretty nicely by that six o'clock spot. And then they're sitting through all this stuff. And then, of course, by the end, they're tired of shit. So it 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 certainly affects the live crowd. I think so. I, I definitely agree. And it's a, uh, I mean, I I don't want to beat a dead horse about it because we we talk about it all the time. Um, overall for me, I th- first of all, let me get the negatives out of the way is I could go years without watching another fucking triple threat match at this point. I'm just, I'm burnt out on it after tonight. Why don't you watch new Japan, Larry? They don't have triple threat matches. Uh, I'm watching the horrible world tag league right now. Okay. So people have told me that's good. Are they lying? Okay, there was a couple solid shows, one good night. I thought the Saturday night show that I did review, or the Saturday morning show, whatever. I'm so confused on times now because everything's on video on demand, which I hate because it just kills my schedule, was like just an atrocious show. Um, but it's it's not been good. It, I haven't it's not, watched. It's not bad, but uh, I'll, tell, I'll give you recommendations. There's two matches you should watch. There's actually an awesome Suzuki gun tag match. Which is just, it's um, Zack and Tai Chi versus Archer and Suzuki. It's actually really great. But, um, well, I mean, three of those men are awesome, so yeah. I understand that. So, and, the, and then secondly, like I say, we don't need these fucking five-hour shows. I, I, I can't deal with it. But overall, I thought the show was good. I thought there was a lot of good wrestling throughout. I loved NXT winning the night. Um, the continued push of Rhea Ripley is great. And I thought the guys like Keith Lee and Adam Cole... Um, came out of the weekend looking like big stars, and I think those are all important points to take away. I know it's easy to blah, 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 WWE sucks, Raw sucks, SmackDown isn't enjoyable, whatever, they don't make stars. And I, I say those points a lot myself, but I think that they did make an effort this weekend to get people over as stars. I think Rhea came out of the weekend better than she looked, and she was looking good before that. Adam Cole was looking good coming in. He comes out even better. Keith Lee comes out looking better. I think those are big accomplishments to take away. I'm with you. I'm with you that the NXT stuff, I'm glad it was not, you know, they were completely buried because they could have easily done that. And I think a lot of people expected them to do that. I think a lot of people figured, oh, SmackDown's just going to win this night because they're on Fox. Oh, Raw's going to win this night because they've always been like kind of the superior brand. They gave like they gave NXT the night and they didn't give them the night in like a, a cheap, like little fashion type of way. Like Rhea Ripley, okay, 
the ending to that match could have been better, but she still pinned Sasha Banks to get the victory. And, and Candice and EO were, you know, part of that kind of closing scene there. So, so that was good. Uh, Leo Rush, I mean, I guess that's an NXT win. So, so that's cool. Uh, Roderick Strong, okay. He kind of stole the pin, but he still looked really good in that match. Like he was the star performer in that match. I know Dunn and Adam Cole was not the, was not a brand supremacy match, but they, I think they had, I think Arguably it was a the great match on the show. I think that was a great showcase for the NXT title and champion. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. And I think that was the best match on the show. Um, they they didn't win the men's Survivor Series match, but Keith Lee was the final guy. They had two of the final four with Keith Lee and Ciampa, and Keith Lee looked really strong. He got to pin Roman Reigns, uh, or he got to pin Seth Rollins, and he went toe to toe with Roman Reigns. And, and even you know Matt Riddle got a pin on Randy Orton. Ciampa got a pin on Kevin Owens. Like they got good pinfall victories in that and then they got Shayna Baszler at the very end beating Bailey and, and Becky Lynch so yeah they were not put over in a cheap kind of way they were put over very strong and they made some stars and the good news is because they do go back to this whole brand split thing hopefully it, they're not just gonna lose on Raw and Smackdown uh, on Monday and Friday, like you're, you're not going to see just Becky get the win back in some throwaway tag team match on Raw tomorrow night. You're, you're not going to see uh, Seth Rollins get his win back in, in some throwaway singles match on, on Raw uh, tomorrow night against Keith Lee. You're not going to see that stuff. They're going to go to NXT now and they're going to keep feuding with each other and they're, they're going to take this new star power and they're going to build each other up from that. At least theoretically, that's what should happen. Yeah, I saw some people complain that Ciampa wasn't the last man standing, but the thing is, is he didn't need to be. Number one, he's already over as one of the biggest stars in NXT. Number two, he got the pin in War Games. So he was already over. He didn't need the moment as much as a guy like Keith Lee did. And so I think that's why it worked for me. I I think it's kind of a toss-up between the NXT title match and the Men's Survivor Series match for best match. I, I thought they were both great. I rated them the same. I think it just depends on which one you like more, um, just personally, because obviously one's a little bit longer and a little bit muddied with the eliminations. So, I mean, i probably go cool versus done for my favorite match of the night. But yeah, it, it was a good show. It was. It's nice not to... Talk about a WWE show and be like, well, it started okay and then turned into shit. You know, like half of it was good and half of it was bad. It like, this was a good show throughout. The only thing that I thought bad match wise was that battle Royal, which was this trash. Yeah, that was a throwaway thing on the pre-show that it didn't mean a damn thing. So, like, they're not even going to acknowledge. And that's, that's what I meant to say earlier is, yeah, it would have been nice if, Street Profits, Heavy Machinery, or OC1 because you can at least do something with one of those three teams. But they're not going to acknowledge this to be a meaningful thing anyway. So that's why Rude and Ziggler can win. And it feels like a waste because it is a waste. Yeah, it's it's Rude and Ziggler. So it's... <laughs> Um, so anyway, yeah, um, I, I think overall, um, I say we can uh, call this a good weekend of wrestling from WWE and NXT, Jeremy. Uh, yeah, I would, I would say so. Takeover was awesome and Survivor Series a little too long, but still they accomplished a lot at Survivor Series. Even if some of the matches weren't too great, the the ending was a little cold. They, 
I think the main thing they wanted to accomplish this weekend was really establish NXT as the the third brand and a we got stars and you should watch this show. You can credit AEW for that if you want. That's fine. I don't give a shit what their reasoning is. I'm glad they did it. I'm watching a gif of this Keith Lee spirit bomb on Roman Reigns on loop. And it's, it's so just good. fucking mesmerizing. It's, it's so good. The, the kick out is fucking spectacular. It really is. And like the cell, Roman fucking bounces up and then like onto almost the top of his head as Lee cradles him on that. Oh my God, it's so good. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I've given Roman some shit in the past, but he was really great in that match. Uh, helped Keith Lee a lot. And um, yeah, I enjoyed the weekend. Again, we could shorten those shows a little bit for sure. Um, but yeah, just uh, really, really good stuff. So, uh, yeah, in closing, I want to thank you guys for listening. This was the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and, of course, the 411mania.com website. Please make sure to subscribe to the show, share us around on social media, and if you have time, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. We will talk to you later this week.